very, very often through the years of the 1600s, people from the Jamestown area as well as up and down the James River would come together for a pilgrimage back here to the cross to pray. Hey guys, Alex Newman here with the New American Magazine. I'm standing next to Chris Evans. She is the program director for the principal study groups at the Foundation for American Christian Education. Wonderful, wonderful organization that I have known of for many years. I've visited their headquarters, beautiful place. She's also the author of this incredible book for children, Odyssey of Faith, The Colony of Virginia, Jamestown, and You. And uh, we are at the 1607 First Landing event. Uh, they are rededicating America to God. Um, Chris, thank you for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, before we dig into your book and face, uh, talk to us about what happened in 1607. I think that's going to be new to a lot of people. Why was it so significant? Well, because they came over on three ships, 106 Englishmen of, of um, multi-ages, and they landed here um, April the 26th on the Susan Constant, the Godspeed, and the Discovery, three ships, and they, they got out onto the beach and uh, we started to explore a little bit, uh, were attacked by Indians, two uh, of the men were injured with arrows, and they got back on the ship and got off three days later uh, on April the 29th when they uh, walked up the beach up onto a dune, crawled up about a hundred feet up a dune, and took a um, spare mast off of the ship buried it deep into the ground, put a crossbar on, created the cross, an, Eng uh, uh, an English oak cross that was visible by daylight, of course, up high there at Cape Henry, visible by daylight to um, direct ships. This, this is where they dedicated the land to God. You know, it was a, like a visual image. It lasted a couple hundred years um, till uh, yeah, a couple hundred years until the early 1800s. And then it was removed and uh, supposedly stored away somewhere. And then in 1935, a female lineage group, um, perhaps it was the Colonial Dames, that raised money and put the granite cross there uh, um, to commemorate the uh, the dedication to God by um, by the Englishman. And then, you know, um, very, very often through the years of the 1600s, people from the Jamestown area as well as up and down the James River would come together for a pilgrimage back here to the cross to pray. Wow. Uh, and so the, the, the new cross that they put there, you said in 1935, that's yes. still there today. Yes, it I, it's on a military base, though, I guess. You, you used to lead tours there, but it's getting harder and harder, it's, huh? It's more and more difficult to get on Fort Story. So um, so I, I usually, I've taken lots of photography over there and show people pictures on a PowerPoint or whatever. And um, we often go to Jamestown these days. And even in Jamestown, this is an interesting aspect about it. Uh, Jamestown was a settlement within the colony of, of the Virginia colony and people started venturing out and living up and down the James River after about a year or so uh, you know so people were 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 living up and down I I have a map that shows 40 about 45 locations up and down the James River where there was um, a congregation of people and a church worshiping and living life you know in the on in the new world 
Yeah. Actually, I went on a tour with you of Jamestown, Jamestown with my yes. family, and it was yes. so much fun. We learned so much from you. It was extraordinary. Uh, so you wrote this book, Odyssey of Faith, and uh, the Colony of Virginia, Jamestown, and you. It's, it's made for children. Um, you've got all kinds of historical stuff in here. Talk a little bit about this. Why did you do this, and uh, what are some things that children would learn in here? I actually was disheartened by all of the bad press that Jamestown gets, and I thought, I'm not sure I remember it feeling that way when I was little growing up and learning history. And I thought, I want to know what the truth is. And so I started doing research and actually uh, connecting with, with smart people who had done research on Jamestown um, and the Virginia colony just to learn. And I was encouraged by some of the women that I was telling these stories to, to put these together into a, in, into a book. And so I, I began doing that work it, and I worked with um, Max Lyons and his wife Margie that are on the front of the book there. Uh, they helped me and um, and so I, I really wanted to get the truth of, of Virginia history out to families and to children. It's just not being taught anymore and I, uh, my husband and I collect books. We go around to thrift stores and pick books up. I don't like to pay too much money for them, you know, and I have found old um, Virginia history textbooks that it's amazing how much accuracy is in there. There's nothing about the faith of the people that was exhumed, you know, from texts a long time ago. But um, there has been a deliberate attempt to keep people from knowing our history. Yeah, and today it's all the rage they're teaching us in government schools across the country. This uh, 1619 project. Yes. You're you're an expert on all of this historical stuff. Uh, does that bear any resemblance to the truth? What do you think about the 1619 project? Well, that particular document, the 1619 project, is a complete work of fiction, <laughs> and it was written by a journalist, not a historian, and it has been debunked by um, numerous scholars. And the the one important thing about the 1619 project, it, well, there's a couple of important things about the year 1619. There were three uh, important things that happened there. The first was the was when the House of Burgesses first convened um, a, 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 of representatives, landowners around the Virginia colony came together 1619 in the summer and created the House of Burgesses. Now the other the other thing was um, the indentured servants that came and the 16 pro 1619 project uh, writings was about the beginning of slavery and that's when the country began in 1619 with slavery. That's all is, there is to know about our country, slavery, right? Yeah, uh, well, and it's not true at all. They were indentured servants and they were released after so many years. They worked off their indenture. And what was indenture? I need something I don't have the money for. You have the money. I will work for you and you front me the money. That's what indenture is. So it's like a loan, but you're mortgaging your future labor instead of your house, I guess. Exactly. Huh? And it can be well well worked or it can be cruel. I mean, it's no different than who we work for today. Yep. That's why we change jobs right. if, we, if we so choose. But, but um, the other thing that I have heard um, that was really uh, distressed me was about the women um, being, um, you know, like mail order brides or by sexual, you know, uh, trafficking. And, and those women that came, there were uh, um, somewhere close to a hundred or maybe a little bit more than a hundred females that came but they were um sorry we're by a military base we got helicopters going by all right back again okay so they were um 
They were recruited by Edward Mariah Wingfield, and in England, those women were known as Wingfield's maids. He recruited, interviewed, and, um, and accepted 95% of the young women who came. They had to have a skill. They had to say that they were a Christian. They, and, and, um, they had to have a, a parental permission and, and a reference from their pastor. Now, doesn't that sound normal and modern? You know, in, in, in 1619, because the Virginia Company, who had two companies, the London Company and the Plymouth Company, they decided for two settlements right from the very beginning, and they had wanted, um, they had told these. Um, settlers that to to be here permanently you have to have women and uh, you have to have wives and children to to be permanent here and and so um, the men put up the money for the women to come but the women had the had the right to choose among the men I mean it was her choice who she um, who she can give to give her hand in marriage it was her choice and if in fact she could find no one that was desirable to her then she could join herself with um, a created family a husband wife and children and and, and indenture her future time to pay off that um, that that um, that money for the voyage over. So these and were not forced marriages, this was not human trafficking at all. Huh? It wasn't human trafficking at all, and as a matter of fact, um, history, history shows that all of those women did find husbands, but it wasn't anything cruel and like the, the strange stories that, that, you, that you hear about. And these people were, were hardcore Protestants. They believed that, that God retaliated for bad behavior. I just uh, believe that it was in the character of the culture to do better by people than we give them credit for. It's my conclusion. Yeah. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, tell us a little bit about the Foundation for American Christian Education. Uh, what is it? What's the mission? What do you guys do? It's actually based not too far from where we're standing right now, but what is it? Yes, uh, well, it, we are a publishing company, and we train teachers, and we preserve America's Christian history. We, um, we have the, the principal approach, which is an American Christian classical form of education, and the methodology of the principal approach puts, the, the, puts God's Word into the center of every subject with the use of, of uh, word study and, and uh, definitions. We use a, a Noah Webster's original 1828 dictionary to uh, gain definitions and we often say that it's difficult to have a debate or a deep conversation if you can't agree on the definitions of the terms and so uh, Noah Webster was a godly Christian man he studied many languages for um, more than two decades to come up with a Christian English version of the English language and liberty um, you know might have a, almost a page of definition um, I love that like dictionary that. I got it from you guys and you look up like marriage or sin yes, or I mean yes. it's just education yes. it's so fascinating um, where can people learn and, and I should say about the principal approach there are now schools all across the United States yes. and all over the world using the principal approach yes. and my daughter graduated from one in 2006 so she's a grown woman and a mama now wow. but um, we raised our children in in principal approach education. I've visited some of those schools. They are extraordinary. They're absolutely amazing. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, what's the best way to find your books and where do people find Face on the internet? Yes, it's, it's face.net. 
and, um, and, and my book, Odyssey of Faith, can be found there. It's in the catalog. You can also, if you, if you can't find something, you can just call 757-488-6601. And that's right there to the office and say, I'm looking for this book. Um, I saw it on Alex Newman's show. Um, how, can I, how can I get this book? And they're lovely to, to help you. But um, the, the catalog is online. It's also in paper. And um, so that it's face, like your face, dot net. Excellent. Chris Evans, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, folks. Alex Newman here for The New American. We'll talk to you later. I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa. Who knows what would come out of that? It isn't the Constitution that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the Constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. Who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand when necessary.